0: This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's Here's Billy Lambert.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today. We hope that you'll continue to watch for the next little while as we discuss this question, What Wait I For? Or to put it another way, upon what are you waiting and so we want to talk about that today i hope that you'll stay tuned now on getting to know your bible we offer a free bible correspondence course we've been doing this for a long long time and we want you to have that course today we're going to let you know how to receive the course but we want you to know a little bit more about it and so for that reason we want to pause at this time
0: to help you in your study of the bible we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail. And it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.
1: I want to read now from Psalms chapter 39 beginning with verse 1. I said I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good and my sorrow was stirred up. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days, that that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but vapor. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and, and does not know who will gather them. And now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. There is not a more vivid picture of the brevity of life than the one painted in this psalm. Now Notice the psalmist said, Make me to know my end. And all of us know that one day we will have an end of life. And then he talks about how frail I am. And at our very best, we're in our very best physical condition. We're still very frail. And he said, you've made me know my days as a hand's breadth, And they're very short days. He said, my age is as nothing. He said, man at his best is vanity. He says he heaps up riches and doesn't know who's going to gather them. Here's a person spends their life trying to amass a fortune. And then once they're gone, somebody else will have that fortune. So life, it's painted here as being just a rather brief existence. And no sooner do we step on the stage of life than do the seeds of corruption begin to grow within our mortal frame. Our death may be delayed 50 or 60 or 70 years or or even go beyond that. But it will still come someday. For for it is appointed unto a man once to die and then comes the judgment. Scientific technology He has not found a way to alter that law of God. There's still just a step between us and death. 1 Samuel 20, verse 3. And yet, in spite of the inevitable, myriads of people rush headlong toward eternity, unprepared to meet their God. Why would anyone do that? Why would anyone wait? The question in the, of the psalmist is, what wait I for? It may be that I'm speaking to someone now who's heard the gospel and believed the gospel, but so far you've done nothing about it. And I ask, why are you waiting? Well, someone may say, well, Brother Lambert, I'm not sure that I know enough. I think that's very possible that a person, an individual may not know enough. Pe- people have to be taught what they must do in order to be a Christian. According to John 6, verse 45, they must be taught of God. Well, let me ask a question. How much do you know? You say you don't know enough, so how much do you know? Do you know that you are lost without Jesus? He says, well, I know that. I know that without Christ I would be lost. That He's the one who died to save me. If you know that? That that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know that? Do, Do you know what to do to be saved? You say, well, Brother Lambert, I know that not only are you to believe in Jesus, but you should repent of your sins. And I know that you should be willing to tell other people that you believe in Jesus. That is, confess your faith in Him. And Brother Lambert, I know the Bible teaches that we must be baptized in order to be saved because of what Jesus said in Mark sixteen sixteen that those who believe and those who are baptized are those that will be saved. Well, if you know that much, if you know you're lost, that you're unsaved right now, and if you know that Jesus died to save you because He loved you so much, and if you know what the Bible teaches, I'd encourage you not to wait any longer. You see, you need to take care of what you already know. You know enough to be a Christian right now. Well, someone else might say, well, Brother Lambert, the the reason that, that, that I've never been baptized into Christ is because I have relatives that did not do that, and I think if I were to do it, that would condemn my relatives. Well, first of all, each individual is responsible for his or her own conduct. Romans chapter 14 and verse 12 says, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now, I want to ask a question, and I'm not doing this to be uh, abusive. Are your relatives honest? You say, well, of course they're honest. And I believe that. I believe they are honest. Now, suppose that your relatives know or should know what you now know. Suppose they had the knowledge of the Bible that you now have that they never had access to. What would they do? You say, well, I think if they... Knew had known what I now know that they would do something about it. I'm sure that you're exactly right. So, so you're not condemning anyone. You're not condemning anyone by obeying the gospel. Well, why don't you just do what the Bible teaches? What are you waiting on? Someone says, "Well, Brother Lambert, I just tell you the truth. I, I, I have known some people that were in the Church of Christ and." And just to be honest, I don't mean to be unkind, Brother Lambert, but they were just hypocrites. They're just hypocrites. I I knew of a preacher by the name of John Harris who said that if Noah could get along with a skunk in the ark, he thought he could get along with a skunk in the church. Well, I don't know about getting along with a skunk in the church. But let me ask you who is a hypocrite. Really a hypocrite is a person who knows what to do and they just don't do it. That's what Jesus condemned the Pharisees for in Matthew the 23rd chapter and verse 3. They would say and do not. They would tell you what to do. They knew what was right, but they just wouldn't do it themselves. And so let's be careful about saying that there are hypocrites in the church. First of all, I'm not sure that that's an accurate statement. I think you have people in the church who are striving to serve God. They're not perfect. They make mistakes. They sometimes struggle. But at least they're trying to do what is right in the sight of God. Don't hide behind someone. I've heard that you have to be smaller than a person to hide behind them. And so when someone tells me that, There are people in the church that don't live right, and that's the reason I don't go to church, and that's the reason that I I don't serve God. I I think about Jesus. You know, one of His chosen few was a scoundrel, but it did not prevent the Lord from going to the cross. Somebody says, Brother Lambert, let me tell you the reason I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the right feeling. And I've actually had people to tell me that. I had a person to say one day and they, would, they put their hand on their chest and they said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade all that I have in here for a stack of Bibles. In other words, they put their feelings above the Word of God. So you say you're waiting for the right feeling. Well, let me ask you, how do you feel right now? How do you really feel right now? Do you feel lost? How, how do you suppose... God feels when we reject His Son. We can't go by our feelings because there's a way that seems right to a man. But the ends thereof are the ways of death. And the fact is you will never feel right until you get right with God. So You tell me you're waiting for the right feeling, Before you become a Christian, you might be waiting a long, long time. If you're waiting for a a bolt of lightning out of the blue, if you're waiting for a small, still voice in the night, if you're waiting for some kind of a sign, you may be waiting for a long, long time. You see, that's not the way that we become Christians. We, We become Christians because we realize that we have violated the law of God. And we have broken the heart of God by our sins. And we are so sorry that we have done that. And that sorrow leads us to the point of wanting to repent of our sins and and causing us to want to confess our faith in Jesus and put our Lord on in the waters of baptism. And you'll never feel right until you've done it. Let me tell you about a man who felt right. He was a man from Ethiopia. He had been up to Jerusalem to worship. He was on his way home. And Philip the evangelist was called to the side of this man. A man was riding in a chariot and he was reading the Old Testament scripture. He was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip began at that same scripture and Isaiah 53 preached to him Jesus. And as they went on their way they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? He said, If thou believest, thou mayest. He said, I believe it. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Now he felt right. And you'll never feel right. And you'll never have the right feeling. Until you obey Jesus. What are you waiting on? Somebody says, well, I, I tell you, Brother Lambert, I need more time to think about all of this. How long have you been thinking? Just how long have you been thinking? I've known of people that have been thinking 30 and 40 years, and they're thinking. Suppose that you had been on a, out on a desert, lost. You were without food without water. You've been there so long that, that your tongue is swollen. Your lips are swollen. They're broken open. And some comes along, a traveler, and finds you, holds you in their arms, and, and the, the, the life is almost beginning to ebb out of your body. But they say, hold on. I've got water and they offer you a drink of water how long would it take you to decide to accept the water? You say, oh brother Lambert I'd accept it readily, would you? Here we all have people that are lost without Jesus they're on a collision course with eternity And here is Jesus who offers you living water. Here is Jesus who offers you salvation. Here is Jesus who offers you the abundant life. Here is Jesus who offers you forgiveness. Here is Jesus who offers you eventually a home in heaven. And you say, I I just need time to think. I need time to think. I heard about a man who had an owl. And he bragged that that owl could whip anything that had feathers on it. And there was a man that had a rooster. And he said his rooster could whip anything that had feathers on it. So they got the owl and the rooster together to decide which one could whip the other. And that old rooster went around that owl. The old owl just sort of blinked his eyes. And the rooster got out there with those uh, uh, claws of his. And he went after that old owl. And the blood started coming out. And the man that owned the owl said, he's thinking. He's thinking. And then the old rooster went around him again. and, And the man that owned the rooster said, I thought you said that owl could fight. He said, he's thinking. He's thinking. And the old owl blinked his eyes a few more times. And finally, the old rooster went in for the kill. The owl died thinking. And you say you need more time to think. The fact is you don't might not have more time to think. Solomon said, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for a man doth not know what a day may bring forth. Somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, this is not a good time. I'll do it tomorrow. Well, you don't have a promise of tomorrow. James chapter 4, 13 says, man, that our life is just like a, a vapor. That that appears for a little time. And then it's going to vanish away. And now, where did you ever get the idea that you have a promise of Tomorrow. That there's an invitation song that we sometimes sing at the close of sermons. And there's a stanza that goes like this Tomorrow's sun may never rise to bless thy long deluded sight. We don't have a promise of tomorrow. And I think about the foolishness of waiting until tomorrow. I, I think about the time that God brought the plagues on the land of Egypt, and, and one of those plagues was the plague of frogs. And Pharaoh came to Moses and he said, Entreat the Lord for me. In other words, I want you to ask God to remove all of these frogs. And Moses said, Well, when? And Pharaoh said, Tomorrow. Why do you suppose he'd want to spend one more night with the frogs? I'll tell you the reason. Man is prone to put off till tomorrow what he ought to do today. Time's not going to stand still for us. We do not have the promise that we will see the sun rise again. I read the story about a man rushed into a railway station. He says, uh, I want to find out what time the 8.01 leaves. He, he said, now I, I have noticed that by my watch it is 7.58, and by the clock here in the railway station it's, it is 8.05, and I'd like to find out what time the 8.01 leaves. And the man said, mister, you can go by any clock you want to, but you're not going to leave on the 8.01 because it just left. And sometimes we have people in life who think that time stands still for them, that they can go on their own, on, uh, their own time schedule, have their own timetable with God, but time is not going to stand still. And the fact is, my friend, you may not have a tomorrow. What are you waiting on? Somebody says, well, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready to become a Christian. I'm not sure that I'm ready to to get serious about God. And I'm not ready to get serious about Jesus. And I'm I'm not ready to get serious about the Bible. And I'm I'm not ready to get serious about going to church. I'm just not ready. I've had people to tell me that. I'm just not ready. Have you ever thought about the fact that when you get ready, God may not be? When you get ready, you may not be ready. He may not be ready. That happened to the foolish virgins in the 25th chapter of Matthew. Let let me read some of that to you. Matthew chapter 25. And and, in the first few verses of Matthew, the the 25th chapter, is the parable of of the foolish virgins and the wise virgins. And... The foolish virgins fail to make adequate preparation. And let me just read a few of these passages. While the bridegroom tarried or delayed, they all slumbered and slept. See, they'd gone out to meet the bridegroom. At midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. And the wise answered saying, Not no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, that is, to get ready, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward the other virgins came, saying, Lord, Lord, opened us. You see, they had some oil now. They were ready now. He answered, I say to you, I do not know you. And here's Jesus' warning. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. You see, when you get ready, it just might be too late. In Proverbs, the first chapter, Solomon said, Because I have called, and ye refused. I stretched out my hand, but no man regarded. You have said at naught my counsel, and would none of my reproof. Th- Therefore I will laugh at your calamities, I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as a desolation, and your destruction as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. And then shall they seek me early, but they shall not find me. How is it that they, people would call on God, but He wouldn't answer them? How, how is it that they would seek Him, but they wouldn't find Him? It's because when they had the opportunity to do so, they did nothing about it. And then the opportunity went away. You say, I'm just not ready. But what are you waiting on? One of these days, you're going to die. I say that not to frighten you. I say that to try to get you to think about the salvation of your soul. One day, all of us are going to die. They already have someone's coffin at the funeral home in your community. And it could be yours. Are you ready to die? In the language of Amos chapter 4 and verse 12, prepare to meet thy God. Prepare to meet thy God. If you're not a Christian, please become one today. As a believer in Jesus, be willing to repent of your sins. There are many good people who actually believe in Jesus and would tell you they believe in Jesus, but they've never completed their obedience to the gospel by being immersed into Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. As is taught in Acts, the second chapter, and in verse 38. What are you waiting on? Don't wait any longer. Please hesitate no longer. Paul preached to Agrippa. And Agrippa said, Almost. Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. But friend, almost is not good enough. Almost will not save your soul. Felix said, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I'll call for you. Paul had just reasoned with him about righteousness and temperance and the judgment to come. Those are realities. But he shunned them. Even though he trembled like a leaf in the wind, he said, not now. I ask again, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? If we can help you, Complete your obedience to the gospel. Don't hesitate to call. Don't hesitate to get in touch with us. Don't hesitate to write us and let us know. We want to assist you in your salvation. I've never been more serious in all of my time in preaching on getting to know your Bible than I am right now. Please don't wait, because waiting has proven to be disastrous to many, many people. I want to encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community, and you will find people who will help you and assist you in your obedience to Christ. And may I also encourage you right now to pick up the telephone, call the number you've seen on the screen, and call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. It could be the single most important thing you've ever done so far as your soul is concerned. Please don't hesitate. Join in with thousands of people all over the world who have received this course from us and are studying the Bible in this way. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you, is my prayer.